Hello again, dear friends. Welcome. It's On Mike with Jordan Rich. Conversation is alive and well. Conversation with creative people who have a lot to say. Now, I read and review a lot of books. I love to read. And every once in a while, a book comes along that catches me by surprise. And the one we're going to be talking about today with the author fits into the category of, wow, there's so much going on, so much depth and character and plot. And all of this from a first-time novelist. Her name is Karen Wynn. She received an MFA from Fairleigh Dickinson University. She also has a doctoral degree in nursing. She's from the Boston area now, is a full-time mom, and Our Little World is her first novel. This is a true coming-of-age story involving two young sisters, a mystery that will keep you guessing, and a chance to find out what really goes on behind closed doors in a close-knit community. I just love this book, Our Little World, and had to invite Karen in to talk about it. So with reviews pouring in from all over, I'm going to add my two cents and welcome Karen Wynn, the author of Our Little World, to join us on mic. Well, this is a treat because not only do I have a phenomenal first time out of the box novelist with a book you want to read, but she brought me goodies. Karen, thank you so much. What? Let's talk about this, Our Little bag of treats what is this yeah so first of all thank you so much for having me my pleasure so excited to be here um so i have some book swag that i've brought you (laughs) um so our my book is our little world and so i have a bag of our little treats which is 80s themed candy because my book takes place in the 80s of course oh this is so cool nerds uh, you are what you eat uh also i see our little notebook an actual Yep, a little notebook. Oh, that's so sweet. That's wonderful. And then a pen to go with it. Yes, our little pen. Sorry, our little world (laughs) pen. (laughs) Well, thank you for all of that, and thank you for being here, because uh, as I was explaining before coming on the air, I I read a lot of books. I get a lot of books sent to me, and to be honest with you, there are some that I – push to the side a little bit because they don't seem to be in my wheelhouse. This was one of them, and only because – it had the look and feel of something that my wife would want to read. I gave it to her first. She tore through it and said, you got to read this, and I did. Wow. And I loved it. Thank you. So let's uh, talk a little bit about the book, and then we'll talk about the process and where you're coming from and all that. It takes place, Our Little World, in the mid-'80s. Yes. In a New Jersey township. Yes. In a place in Jersey, which you are familiar with. Yes, yeah, so it takes place in a town called Hammond, which is a fictionalized version and anagram of my hometown, Mendham, New Jersey. Ah, very clever. Very <laughs> clever indeed. It's a story of sisters, but it's a whole lot more than that. I want you to sort of outline the messaging here. It's it's these two very interesting young ladies growing up in a, a Hungarian... The father is a Hungarian immigrant. Hungarian immigrant. So immigrant families, mixed blend families are always interesting. But uh, who are these girls? Let's, let's identify them. B and... Audrina. Audrina. Okay. Yes. So let's just briefly... And very simply set the scene here because there's a lot going on and I won't get into the weeds as though I want to. You've got the two girls and they're enjoying their summer about to on a lake near their home, right? Yes. Okay. And something happens that's dramatic. Yes. Something happens. The neighborhood girl goes missing while they're swimming one day at the local lake. Mm-hmm. And the book cover, Our Little World, says a lot more than uh, some book covers. And that's what I wanted to ask you about, too. I'll have you 
take a look at it. I know you know it so well, but describe what we're seeing here because that really makes a difference. Sure. So I, I also I just love this cover. They just did <laughs> such a good job with it. So there is this uh, cul-de-sac, um, typical suburban neighborhood, looks like a very safe town, beautiful blue sky, and then there's this crack running straight up through the street and it disperses and more cracks as it continues to go up. And there's a fallen bike and there's an ominous feeling in the air. Right. The cover is a metaphor for what goes on behind the scenes, right? I yes. mean, we know uh, what looks idyllic on the outside is always more complex. Exactly. Right. Do, do you have sisters or is this, I mean, seriously, the, the relationship between these girls is what matters throughout. I do. I have a sister and I also have a brother. Mm-hmm. We are very close, um, but not all families are. And I was really interested interested in exploring those relationships that are a little more complex and getting into digging into them because obviously drama makes for a good fiction. You're, uh, I believe, an MFA. Uh, yes. That's your study. But you could have been a psychologist. My goodness, you really <laughs> understand the psychology between these girls and and also the people in the town. So, a crime has occurred. Yes. A missing child means there's a crime, and that sort of casts a pall, doesn't it, over everything? It does. So this town, where it's a town of five thousand people, very safe, um, and nothing like this has ever happened, and when this neighborhood girl, she's four years old, Sally Baker, when she goes missing, it, it just, the town, it, it's, it, the town is pierced by this tragedy mm. and nobody in it is quite ever the same. This is your first novel. Yes. And it is breathtakingly deep. And I mean that in a very complimentary way. It's very, very deep. There are so many levels here. How long did it take you to actually complete? Because it seems so well thought out to me. A really long time. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, a really long time. I mean, I, I'm i a mom of two kids as well. And I'm also, um, I've had a whole other career actually as a nurse and a nurse practitioner. And so this was something that I was doing on the side and finally got a little more serious about it in the past few years and then got an agent and, and whatnot. And um, so it's it's been a process. Well, the process it, for many writers is, you know, they have a place they want to get to and getting there is half the fun, I guess. But there's so many twists and turns, not only with the, the actual crime, if you will, but with the sisters and their relationship. And you describe these girls so aptly. Audrina, that's her name, right? Mm-hmm. Audrina, uh, is the more popular one. Yes. Often is the case, right? Yes. And B, as she's known, Borka, B is uh, a little clumsy and a little bit more tomboyish, that kind of yes, character. Yes, exactly. Um, yes, and actually um, B... So their father's Hungarian, and B's name, her birth name is Borka, which translates to foreigner or, or stranger, which I thought was a perfect name for her because she always feels a little bit like an outsider mm. and like she doesn't quite belong. And it's a name growing up that she didn't love because it's actually a beautiful name in Hungarian, but it's unfamiliar to the American ear, and she didn't want to stick out like that. And so from the start... 
she has this name that she doesn't love and she feels that her sister, Audrina, has a beautiful name and is the beautiful sister and the favored one. So from the start, they're pitted against one another. Not to give any additional plot points away, but it's uh, not exactly the way things are going to end up with Audrina always being on top. Audrina has issues, including health issues, that she does. stop her in her tracks. Exactly. So being a health care worker, a nurse practitioner, et cetera, that, that part of it, getting it right in terms of how people's health is affected was probably second nature for you. It was. It, I, I did have a little bit of, it wasn't, it was second nature, but at the same time, you know, this book takes place in the 80s. So I wanted to make sure that I was accurately capturing and depicting these diseases back then. You don't look old enough to have been born in the 80s <laughs> or even born in the 80s. I was I'm not born gonna, in the 70s. <laughs> born in the 70s. Trust me, uh, Karen is very young looking. But you capture that period a lot. I mean, we were joking about the candy bag you brought me, but there's a lot of references. How did you, you know, confirm references? Did you ask friends? Did you Google things like that or what? Um I I spent a lot of time on Google. I some of the the research was very fun, um, like pop culture of the '80s. We watched a lot of '80s movies as a family. Yeah, yeah. Listened to '80s music. I dove deep into the '80s, and then some of it was a little uh, darker. Um, you know, the medical conditions. I actually I went through medical journals as well and and looked through stuff. Um, because you know this is all pre World Wide Web, so a lot of a lot of stuff didn't exist. You know, it's documented afterwards, right? right? So if I'm trying to Google what things were, it's after the fact. So I had to kind of go to primary sources with the medical information, and then I also dove deep into missing kids of the '80s. It was a really interesting time in the '80s mm-hmm. because there were those high profile. Uh, missing kids cases like Eaton Pats and Adam Walsh. And then in 1984, about six months before uh, my book begins, there was the missing kids on the milk cartons and Stranger Danger. And um, and the FBI were were just, they didn't often get involved. It was very much left up to the local police who were a little sluggish. It was a little disorganized. It was a really interesting time to place my novel and to have a kid go missing. Yeah, because it's pre-internet, jumping back to the relationship between the sisters, Mm -hmm. the angst that kids deal with today based on online bullying, and that didn't exist, but the angst was still real. (laughs) We tend to forget that there was a world before Facebook and Instagram and 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 all these other sources and it was it could be just as difficult for kids especially the less popular ones yeah that that's such a good point i think that yes the, the feelings were still real and still existed but you know a little more internalized maybe or um or well yeah, yeah they weren't quite as available to everybody in other words you exactly. didn't know what what uh, necessarily was thinking or feeling. Now you, everybody knows everything, which is really weird. Yeah. Uh, I just want to mention on the back of the book, and this should tell the readers a lot, there are just countless uh, uh, praise for you from other authors. But the one that sticks out is another Boston-based author, Ben Mesrick, who I've written, uh, I've interviewed many times, wrote Bringing Down the House and uh, the Accidental Billionaires, etc. Masterful and compelling. But here's the important part. He says, Our little world transported me a poignant and touching tale of sisters and sisterhood 
one that will keep you awake thinking long into the night. Like me, he's a male. I still call myself one of those. And even though it's it's about girls, there's something universal about the way you wrote this. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, for me, I wanted to, yes, the, the primary relationship is the sisters, but I was really interested in the reverberations of this tragedy in the small town. Mm. So, you know, not just the sisters, but their family and the neighborhood and the town and and exploring what happens when something like this happens in a small town um, and following those threads. There's a neighbor, uh, the mother and father of the little girl that goes missing, and the impact on a family when a child either is ill, sadly passes away of illness, or it goes missing and is just shattering. And at first, uh, the characters we meet seem frivolous and outrageous and all that, but you, you, you sort of paint them as sympathetic because they're going through a lot of stuff. Yeah, so they are, um, interestingly, they had just moved to this town of Hammond in New Jersey from Boston. So they are outsiders themselves when their yeah. daughter goes missing. And I liked that angle too because for the town, local townspeople, they they were sympathetic and empathetic, and then they kind of were ready to move on at some point, and it was easy for them to th- continue to think of this family as the outsiders almost. Mm. But um, I do I did try to that was something I did work on during the re- revision process actually is making sure that they were um, that the reader would feel empathy for them because you know like you said at first you're not sure but then you see that they are also cracking and it's it's the most awful thing right and and there's abuse drug abuse or alcohol abuse and uh, other things that happen and not to uh, say that these are okay not to discharge the responsibility but we're all human and and we see that in these mm-hmm. characters they they crack under the pressure, and how? Why wouldn't they? And there's also that pressure on the girls. Uh, every once in a while, you know, there's that segment in the book where B particularly reflects on the missing little girl, and it comes back over. Mm-hmm. It's like a wave; it sort of comes over mm-hmm. people. Yeah, I mean, I think that as much as, like I said, nothing has ever happened in this town, and that at some point the town kind of wants to move on it still happened. So the effects of that are going to continue to permeate and and show up in different ways, whether it's, um, you know, continuing to think about it, whether it's, it's um, turning to drugs or alcohol, whether it's um, relationships that become fractured mm. um, or further fractured or thing, or, or, or decisions that people make that they wouldn't have um, otherwise made. Right, right. Let's talk a little bit about the process here because, again, your first time out of the box, the book's getting raves and more people will be hearing about it and reading it. And you must be tickled to know that people actually are buying your book. How cool is that? It is so cool. (laughs) Yeah. So you said you you revised, and we all do that when we write anything, but to do a book like this that has everything sort of matters from page one to the last page. I'm not talking about the crime itself that – get solved at least. But the relationships and what somebody says on page 30 will matter on page 130. So take us through the process, uh, you know, just a little behind the scenes. Sure. So 
for me, I I like to do these, say, 20-point um, plot points, sort of, of, of what I want to achieve in the book. And then, and it, they don't necessarily translate to chapters, but it's just, um, this is where I'm starting, this is what's happening, this is where it's ending. And then I... And then for me, the tone is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, I think I spent a lot of time in that first, the prologue and the first chapter and, and thinking in the setting and thinking about, okay, this is this is the tone and, and where what I want to convey. And I would return to the, and reread that often as I continued and tried to achieve all those different plot points as I went along um, to make sure that I was staying true to my vision for the book. Right. Case in point, I just opened to a page at random. Let me just give you an example of what I'm talking about. Page 114, and we're talking with Karen Wynn, the author of Our Little World. It seemed that Audrina, and this is in the voice of uh, uh, B. She's telling the story. It seemed that Audrina had always been the better sister, the one our parents favored, the one who did the right thing, the one to whom things came easily. I had to rely on the association of a missing girl to match her popularity status. There's a lot going on <laughs> in that little yes. admission. And the, another device you use is the diary. That's a great device because we peer into somebody's heart and soul that way. Thank you. Yeah, so that passage that you just read, what's interesting is that um, B, as I mentioned, she's, she's you know, the not popular sister. But because she was there at the lake when Sally Baker went missing and because Sally Baker and her brother Max live across the street – B finds herself the center of attention when Sally goes missing in a way that she's never been before. All of a sudden, the neighborhood girls, the older neighborhood girls, her friends, they all want to talk to B and find out what happened. You were there that day. And um, and then also what's going on right now in the Baker household. So mm-hmm. B obviously is traumatized by this, but in a weird way, she kind of is enjoying this attention mm-hmm. that she receives. And so at some point when the town does start to move on, B feels deflated. Um, but yes, I also incorporate um, B the way she is. She, of course, likes to snoop around. She eavesdrops on her parents' conversation. She does things like that. And she also looks in her sister Audrina's diary. So at some point, uh, the reader does get a glimpse into what Audrina is also thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, come back to the cover, Our Little World with a crack in the sidewalk, and it goes right down the middle. There are the, the fears of coming forward with anything you might know, for whatever reason, the fears, and you explain what the fears are, that's really cutting to the core of human nature. I think that's what resonates with the readers so far. It, we see ourselves in these characters. Thank you. Very much so. Very Thank much you. So. Yeah, and B, um, uh, I'm not giving away any spoilers here, but she does come across something at the lake that day that um, she should turn over to the police, but she doesn't. Mm. And that plays out in in a a variety of ways in the novel. Do you, because you're of our generation here, do you think in visual terms, do you see these characters? I mean, we've seen enough Lifetime TV and HBO miniseries and Harlan Coben shows that, you know, it's almost impossible not to visualize something. Do you see action in your mind when you're writing these characters? I do. They're very much alive to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's also why it's been so wonderful 
to hear someone like you just say that you love the book. I mean, it's they to me they were alive in my head for so long. So it's just such a joy to to for other people to meet them. Have you as a, a obviously as a as an author, but also as a I'm sure a, a reader, a fangirl of books. Uh, do you have an uh, an author or a, a book of late that does the same thing for you? That has done the same thing for you. That's influenced you to be a an author in your own right? Sure. So um, probably my favorite author is Emily St. John Mandel. And um, I loved Station Eleven. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, yeah. you know, I, I did watch the miniseries. Um, but it's interesting. I mean, I like that as well. But I, um, I, I think that I preferred the book format because also maybe the way I thought about stuff didn't quite translate to the way that they – represented it on the screen. But it's very rare that a movie does what the book can mm-hmm. do. And this book goes into so much detail in the minds of kids. And, and they it works because we, we feel as though these kids are talking to us, particularly B. So uh, does it help to have little kids of your own? Yes, it does. Um, so I have uh, a <clears throat> six-year-old daughter and a nine-year-old son. And um, it does. I... Um, you know, so Sally Baker is four years old when she goes missing, and my daughter is six now. Mm. But at one point, she was the age somewhat when uh, Sally went missing, and and that was um, hard to think about, yeah. um, but also um, interesting to think about. Yeah. Um, I did think about you know how my daughter acts at that age and and whatnot, and I did draw on that. Um, yeah. But I when I dove deep into the missing kids of the eighties and all of that, I. I I got a little obsessive, and and my kids, um, mm-hmm. you know, they know. I made their iPad um, unlocking code my cell phone number, and I, they know they absolutely know if they ever get lost, they're supposed to stay right where they are, and they're not supposed to go with anybody. And I've drilled things into them so much. So, um, well, I think yeah. that's responsible parenting, absolutely, <laughs> in, in any age, but. Back in the 80s, that's when uh, a lot of this stuff was happening and you sort of catalog it. The other ca- – one more character to talk about, and that's Max, who's the yeah. brother of the little girl who goes missing. Yes. And you, you handle that extremely well too because he's torn. He has no idea and then he's, his whole world is rocked and it, yeah. he's – what is he, 10, 11? Yeah, he's, uh, he's probably 12. 12. Um, B's age, yeah. And, you know, you're rooting for them to get together and have little – flirtations and mm-hmm. then this happens and it's just wow mm-hmm. but yeah so um, he's the cute new boy of course um, from Boston Sally's brother and B yeah B has a big crush on him and obviously their relationship takes a different course because of his sister's disappearance so as we sit here and we're recording mid-May of 2022 you're a published author with an actual publisher, with an actual agent, with people like me going gaga over this book. And I'm not just throwing smoke here. I absolutely loved it. I read it in two sittings. What does that feel like? It must be a dream come true. It really is. I mean, I I feel like I'm living my dream. I pinch myself. Um, I'm ecstatic. I'm just – and I'm so grateful um, that people are connecting with you, it. You're, you're absolutely – the most humble person I've ever seen walk through this door. And I'm not saying the people I interview are not, but you are really just taking this all in and, and appreciating for what it is, aren't you? I really am. Yeah. 
It's, uh, it's my dream come true. Well, it's called Our Little World. And uh, it, believe me when I tell you, this is uh, a book that will resonate with a lot of people. And it boils down to this. It's also a very darn good suspenseful read, a suspenseful mystery. We have no idea what's going on with this crime. And that's keeping the reader on his or her toes. <laughs> Thank you. you that was the goal. <laughs> yeah, well, you achieved it. Do you have a website you'd like to mention? Um, sure. You can find me at com, And on social media, I'm at kbookwriter on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Um, there it is. And, yep, you can find me there. When one looks at the book and then looks at the book flap and sees the author, one might think, this young lady is not much older than the characters in the book. You're very sweet. And I, I've actually known you sort of. We met at various charity events in yes, Boston, and, yes. and when I heard that it was you, I, I was thinking, is that possible that she's <laughs> from Boston and has the same last name that, that other gal had? I was just through the roof. I was so happy for you because I, I, yeah. I think the we – all right, this podcast goes all over the world, but uh, I'm partial <laughs> to anybody from Beantown. So. <laughs> Yay, me too. <laughs> By way of New Jersey. Yes. Well, we want people to check out Our Little World by Karen Wynn, W-I-N-N. It's available everywhere books are sold. And Karen will be doing some uh, appearances in the local area, maybe in other parts of the country. Who knows? Yes. Yep. Knows? I will actually be at the Vilna Shoal on uh, May 24th. That, for those who don't know what that means, the Vilna Shoal, Shoal means synagogue, is the oldest synagogue in Boston. Yes. Right? And your family, you and your husband and, and your family, has been a members and a big supporter of that. Yeah, so my husband's great-grandparents, um, sorry, great-great-grandparents were mm -hmm. from uh, Vilnius, Lithuania, and were founding members of uh, the Vilna Shoal here, and it's right in Beacon Hill, and it's now a Jewish cultural center, and we're on the board, and it's a wonderful organization, and I urge people to, to check it out. Yeah, no, it really is, vilnashoal.org. I know it very well because I do a lot of promos <laughs> for them. Karen, thank you so much. I wish you the very best. I can't wait for your next one. I know that's uh, probably in the works in your head anyway. Yes, I and am working on my next one. Excellent. It's called Our Little World. Good luck with your world. It's uh, it's certainly well-deserved. Thank you so much, Jordan. Thank you so much for having me. You'll want to keep an eye out for Karen Wynn, not only now with this book, Our Little World, but she's got a great future ahead of her as a novelist. She's someone who knows the craft, knows how to tell a great story. We'll wrap up by saying thanks to Dan Tebow of Fast Twitch Media for his help in publishing these and other podcasts, to the gang at Chart Productions in Boston, where we produce this show, and of course, a special thank you to you in the audience growing in numbers every single day. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends. We really appreciate it. Till next time, this is JR saying, as always, be well so you can do good. Take care.